Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Seven verses say it all. That's the name of our sermon series. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. So this morning's sermon is part 6. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 5. And then this evening, we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. If you have your Bibles with you, let me ask you to open to Isaiah chapter 9. I'll be reading verses 1 through 5. Let's all rise, if you're able to, for the reading of God's Word. But there will be no gloom for, who, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Please be seated. I got so excited I wanted to continue to read, but we'll save verses 6 and 7 for this evening. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day where we could gather in your name, O God, where we could worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, as we draw our attention to your holy word, speak to us, Lord. Help us to hear your voice. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And so each candle has a name, depending on what tradition you come from. It's hope, peace, joy, and love, or... Hope, faith, joy, and peace. So if you follow the first order, then peace candle is the second week. But we've been following the second one. So today is the peace candle. So it's all about peace. Advent is a season of peace. But I don't know about you, but even though it's a season of peace, it's hard to escape the news about the war, the war that's going on in Israel, also the war in Ukraine. As a matter of fact, this morning, I read in the news that Christmas is canceled in Bethlehem, right? The Church of the Nativity, annually, that's a, that's a huge gathering this time of the year, but because of the war, they've canceled the gathering. So the church is completely empty. It's a bit surreal looking at that. So war. War is brutal. 
it's hard to think about peace during times of war. And there are songs about war. So before Taylor Swift and before BTS, there was a guy named Bruce Springsteen. But even before Bruce Springsteen, The Temptations actually had a song called War. And I remember hearing this, not during when The Temptations sang it, but in the 80s when Bruce Springsteen released this song. I listened to it. And uh, here's some of the lyrics. It says, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. It's nothing but a heartbreaker, war, friend only to the undertaker. Peace, love, and understanding. Tell me, is there no place for them today? They say we must fight to keep our freedom, but Lord knows there's got to be a better way. And I believe what the temptations was trying to relay is something that anybody would relate to, um, especially during time of war. And of course, uh, this was an anti-Vietnam War song, but um, I have an uncle who passed away uh, a few years ago, and he lived through two different wars. During the Japanese occupation of Korea, he fought for the Japanese. And during the Korean War, um, he fought as well. And I remember he would always tell me that war is horrible. And his prayer is that no one would, have, would get to experience what he experienced. Uh, but unfortunately... Even today, people are experiencing war. And because of this, all of us have a longing for peace. My uncle and my parents all talk about this day, August 15th, 1945. That's when Truman declared that the Japanese had surrendered Fighting has ended, and there is peace. But that peace did not last long, did it? But to be honest, there's a war going on inside of our hearts as well. And that war, that conflict, it dwells deeply within our souls. And it's it's rooted in the separation between man and God which is caused by sin. And so because of this, we have conflict with one another, whether it's between a father and a son, or a husband and wife, or among nations. Even within a church, sometimes there's conflict between brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so we live in this tension where we have this longing for peace, and yet there's a raging war going on in our hearts. Now, this longing for peace was nothing new. The Israelites were experiencing that too. They wanted peace uh, because they were experiencing the brutality of 
the Assyrians. And so, as we have looked through Isaiah chapter 9, we've seen how even in the darkest night that God promises hope. So we saw that in verse 1, where there is hope. Even when they were in the darkest of night, we see gloom being transitioned to glory. Then in verse 2, we saw that God promises a light and that that great light has shone. And from that light, hope was revealed. And then last week, we saw in verse 3 that God increased, multiplied the nation. And also, he increased joy. And as, as an example of joy, he gave two examples. One was the joy at harvest, and the second one was the joy of victory. Victory over evil, victory over darkness, victory over our enemies. So today, we're going to be focusing on verses 4 and 5. And Isaiah starts to explain this overflowing of joy. And he starts with the word for. So there's actually a threefold for that he talks about. If you have your Bibles with you, you'll see that in verse 4. It's for the yoke. Verse 5 is for every boot. And then verse 6 starts with for to us a child is born. So there's a threefold for that Isaiah uses to explain this overflowing of joy. So in verse 4, he says, For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. Now for most of us, when we hear the day of Midian, we don't really know what Isaiah is talking about. Or do we? Do we know what the day of Midian is? No, right? Yeah. Well, it's liberation. It's deliverance. It's victory. But it goes back to Judges chapters 6 and 7. So if you go back to Judges chapter 6 and 7, you're introduced to a guy named Gideon. Anybody know Gideon? What was Gideon known for? 300. I heard something else. No? Please? Did somebody say please? No? All right. So yeah, so Gideon is known for 300. But what number did Gideon start out with? All right. So there was an army of 32,000. Okay, so there's an army of 32,000, and they were facing the Midianites, which numbered 135,000. So already the odds were against Gideon, 
135 verses 32. And then if you read the story or if you remember the story, what happens is God says, I, you got too many. Right? So he cuts it down to before 300 it was, anybody know? Almost 10,000, right? So 10,000 verses 135. And God said, yeah, that's still too many. So then he reduces the number of the army from 10,000 to 300. 300 versus 135,000. If you're a betting person, you would not bet against 135,000, right? Just by sheer numbers, you could destroy 300 people. And yet, God's way is not our way. So even though the world would say, there's no way 300 could defeat 135,000, God shows to us that his way works. And so if we are believers, we need to follow God's way. And even today, we're always told, the worldly wisdom would say, well, this is how one ought to live. Or science proves A, B, and C. And oftentimes, that goes against the Word of God and what God teaches and how God wants us to live. So we live in this tension where we want to follow God, but at the same time, the world is kind of pulling us away from God's way. But in the, in the case of Gideon, God was teaching Gideon that, you know, in this case, less is more. So if you go back and read Judges 6 and 7, you'll see that they defeat the Midianites. Why would God do this? If I'm a praying man about that situation, I would ask God to send 300,000 men to defeat the 135,000. Isn't that the way we think? I want more. I want more. And yet God says, no. Give away everything. You don't need all that. All you need is me, is what God is teaching. And that's the lesson of Gideon as well. Because with 300 men, the only way you could defeat 135,000 is because God was with them. And for us as well, if we know that God is with us, we can do all things for Christ. Amen? Let's not look at what we don't have, but let's look at what we have. And what we have is our Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, to restore peace on earth using God's method, even 300 was too many. All it took was one to restore peace on earth. Not even one man, but we're going to see tonight, it's one baby boy is all that it took to restore peace. That's not the way how I would have planned things out. 
Certainly, I don't think it's any, any of us would have come up with that plan, but that was a plan of God. His way is not our way. But he is always right. So that's what we see in, in verse 4. So in verse 4, Isaiah is reminding his readers, just as Gideon and the 300 men defeated the Midianites, our enemies will be defeated. And then in verse 5, there's a second four. It says here, for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What is Isaiah talking about here? Well, what he's saying is weapons are needed no more. War has ended. And because war has ended, we no longer need the weapons. And of course, in 701 BC, the Assyrians were defeated. But truly, is the absence of weapons peace? No, right? Just because we eliminate the weapons doesn't mean peace has been restored. So ultimately, what Isaiah is talking about here is more than just the weapons being destroyed. It's really a change of heart. It's really the absence of that conflict, that raging war that's going on within us is what Isaiah is talking about. There's a commentary written by, let me, let me say this right, Samuel Widya Pranawa, and this is what he comments about this verse. He says, we shall not... We shall see not just the destruction of weapons of war, but of our human desire to use them. God was always about going after our heart. It's not about behavior modification. It's about transformation from the inside out. Our approach, at least my approach, usually is, is behavior modification. You know, even raising my children. Because I don't know how to get to the heart. I know how to do behavior modification. You, know, you just threaten them. <laughs> if your grades go down, then this goes away. Right? You have to make your bed if you want to eat your breakfast. Whatever it is. Th that's all behavior modification. Right? And, and really, if we just behave from the outside, does that really make us a changed person? No. Change comes from the inside out. And God is in the business of changing our hearts. So what does it take for our desire to not use weapons? What does it take for us to not have this, this inner conflict? Well, it's Jesus. That's why Jesus had to come here on earth. And so Isaiah is pointing to the 
coming baby, Jesus. And with him, peace that surpasses all understanding comes with that. How and why? Because Jesus restores that broken relationship between us and our Father in heaven, which is the source of all of our conflicts, was that broken relationship. As a matter of fact, Isaiah had prophesied this even earlier. In chapter 2, verses... Is that 4B? I can't even see from here. 2, 4B. It says that the nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war no more. The way of the war, no more. They don't have to learn about war anymore. There's peace that's restored. And that peace has been restored through the transformation of our hearts. And that's what this little boy accomplishes. He finished everything. This little boy, this child, he came here on earth and he lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And he faced God's wrath, the wrath that we deserve so that we and our relationship with God can be restored so that we could experience true peace, true fullness, completeness that comes only from God so that we can be transformed from the inside out. This one baby accomplished what Isaiah had prophesied. And how did he do this? By God sending us his only son. Here's a little preview of tonight. In Luke 2.11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ fulfilled the prophecy that we've been looking at. Jesus Christ restores our peace. So is there conflict in your heart today? Go to Christ. Trust in him. Do not follow the ways of the world. A lot of times because of this peace that we're longing for, we look to things that only God could provide. But we're looking at the world. We're asking the world to help. And so that's why some of us resort to even drugs or alcohol. We want to escape from all our troubles. 
The way we can escape our troubles is to run to Jesus. He was a gift that God has given us. So in Christ, peace defeats the war raging in your heart. So let us remember this today. Let us look to God. Let us look to Jesus. And as we witness the candles burning, one's almost out. Oh, no. Let me fix that. There we go. All right. That was a peace candle. That would have been bad if that went out. <laughs> but let's, let's remember, anytime you see the light, especially during this season, what the light represents. It represents hope. It represents peace. It represents love, and it represents joy. Let's look to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you that in you we have hope, we have joy, and we have peace. Father, we confess to you that there is a war that's raging within our souls. And we look to you today, Jesus Christ. Would your peace reign in our hearts? And we pray that you would restore broken relationships. With our brothers and sisters, between father and son, or husband and wife. But ultimately, would you restore the relationship that matters most, and that's our relationship with you, Father in heaven. Jesus, we thank you that you made a way when there is no way. We thank you that you came here on earth and you completed the work for us so that we could have eternal hope in you eternal life. Thank you. And so, Lord, now we look to the cross as we come to your table. And may we proclaim your saving death, O God, until you return. In your name we pray. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.